You may be seated. You know, one of the most exciting things to me about being involved in, I guess, just in anything with, uh, with ministry and the church, is just wondering, you know, what exactly is it that God's going to do next? And today, I might, the whole focus of today is just going to be upon us thinking, just thinking big things and expecting big things and great things from God. Uh, this past Monday night, and I, for those of you who aren't sure yet or don't know, you got some little uh, pamphlets on your chairs today. We're, we've been in talking about our capital campaign, Building on Faith, Giving, and Joy, the last month or so, five weeks. And so we're in the midst of a, of a capital campaign, and really what we're doing in this capital campaign is expecting God for, for big things, expecting God to do great things. I remember whenever the church was starting eight years ago and, and Emily and I were getting together and we were praying, asking God for, to, to do good things and saying, God, we're just, we're just going to trust that you're going you're gonna to provide for us. And God sent us a handful of people uh, in order to, to gather together for worship. And we met over at Bethel Hanbury Elementary School in Blythewood. And I remember we were sitting in the gym, and one of those first Sundays, as I'm sitting there, pigeons got into the, into the gym, and I'm preaching, and pigeons are flying back and forth, and I'm looking out at everybody, and they're all just going like this. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm not making any difference. I'm making the difference in the lives of pigeons more than I am in the lives of people. But, you know, we, we just sort of hung in there, and we prayed to God, this is what we think that you want us to do, and we're going to expect you to do great things here. And, and you know, God's done, God's done some great things here. Um, I, I, I look around today, and I know this. Um, I know that in the past year, that in our church, our church has almost doubled in size. And God has blessed us with a just a booming children's ministry and a youth ministry, a great, great group of, of young people. But to be honest with you, I, I really think that we are on the fringes of what God is going to do through us. I really believe that we are just getting a little taste, just a little touch of what God has in store for us. And so this is going to be a, a time for us where we're just going to get together and we'll say, you know what, God, we are going to look for and expect great things to happen because of you. Now, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the story of a lady who just said, God, I'm going to trust you for great things. She was a lady that had basically gone broke. She was in trouble. She didn't know what else to do. And she, but she had a couple of choices. Uh, one of her choices was that she could continue to live life like she always had. You know, just continue to plug along and get the same predictable results time and time again. Or she could do something different. And that is that she could say, God, I'm going to trust you for big things. And God, I'm going to believe that you can do great things through my life and even more than I ever dreamed or imagined. Now, I think that is where we are today as a church. Um, we had a leadership dinner for our capital campaign team. And we got together this past Monday night and, and tried to figure out and talk about, you know, hey, this is where we think God's calling us as a church to go. And so our leadership team, this was, four, it was 14 couples, got together and towards the capital campaign from November 2010 to November 2011, they pledged $62,500. And they pledged trusting that God is going to do something great. Now, here's the good news for y'all. Y'all get to do that next Sunday. And I know y'all are excited about that, but that's what we're going to do next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to come together. We're going to have a regular worship service. But at the end of the service, we're going to say, God, we're going to trust you for big things. We'll trust you for great things. And, uh, Lord, we're going we're gonna to commit this this coming year. Now, I want you to know that I'm not going to stand up here and guilt trip you or try to prod you to do something. Only one thing I ask you to do. 
And that's just simply to pray and say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm going to be willing to do it. And that's all we're going to do. And then after that, we're just going to trust God to move. But uh, you say, okay, well, then if we're doing this, then what is this campaign going towards? And I, we, we've kind of, we've announced it, we've shared it with you, but I'll just give you all another, uh, just reiterate once again what we're trying to do. Uh, we're, we're, we're just, we're trusting God for big things. Uh, one of the things that we're doing, of course, is we think we're to be good stewards with what God's already given us. And part of this campaign is going to go to continue to pay down uh, the debt on this facility. Um, another thing that we're doing at this capital campaign is we believe that God has called our church to reach out even beyond Blythewood. And to minister, and we, 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 we've hooked up with an orphanage over in Haiti. And so part of this campaign is going to go to help benefit and to serve that, that orphanage down in Haiti. It's called Alex's House, and we're going to go down there and do mission trips there. And then another thing is we believe God has, has called us to prepare for the future growth that he's going to bring our way. Uh, we, y'all, we've seen so much growth in our, our children's area and our youth areas that we know that one of the things that we have to do is we need to prepare now to be able to house and expand our ministries in these areas. Now, our um, architect, John Wells, and he's told me time and time again that he's retired. John's, John's here. There's, John's right back here. I want everybody to look at John because John loves attention. Uh, he's the guy shaking his head, and uh, he's got the, uh, the beard mustache. He's awake right now. And so that's good. Uh, normally later on the sermon, he falls asleep. But now John's been working on some uh, plans for us. And John's already told me these are preliminary plans. But I just want to give you all a taste of what's coming. Now, uh, if you all would show the, the big, the, the overall plan. I just want everybody to see that. Okay, our building right now is we're right down here in the, the white area. You see that bottom right-hand corner? That's where we are now. The children's area is straight ahead. And you all see yellow? That yellow building is the new, that's going to be the new children's area. Uh, so we're doubling the size of the children's area that we have now because we need to. And then you, you come and hang a left, and that is the new, that's the new youth worship area uh, where the youth facilities are going to be. And then right in the middle, that's going to be a, a playground area, courtyard. And then other side where you see that little basketball court or whatever we want it to be up there, that is going to be uh, just like a recreation area for the youth. Now, if we do some close-up shots, show them with the blue one. And this is the up-close of the youth building. That right there is going to, at the bottom corner, that, that part of the building is going to seat 150 youth. But if you take, take the whole thing, it will seat over 300 youth. Uh, y'all, we are planning for God to do big things. Uh, we are getting excited for what God's going to do. And go to the yellow one. You know, this is real brief here. Uh, this is, when you go down the end of the children's building, then you, you, we're going to enter to a new children's area. And right there, that's going to be the welcome area. It's going to over double the space of the children's area that we have right now. Now, why are we doing this capital campaign? Because, guys, we believe we need to begin to prepare for big things and big things now. And so I'm excited about what God's going to do. And this is the part of the campaign. Now, John has already told me that, that he is, uh, he's retired. And so at the, the next phase, and John graciously did this on his own time for us, we, we've got to hire an architect to begin to prepare for what God's going to do. Now, I tell you this stuff, and we'll, we'll have more stuff for you to look at later. Because I tell you this stuff because if we're going to see God do great and big things, we need to begin thinking that way. And in our text today that we're going to look at, we see a lady who decided that she wanted things to be different in her life. She wanted to see God do great and mighty things. And so she began the process of just simply thinking big things. 
And as we look at her life, we're going to see some steps that we can apply to our lives like she did to help us to think big, to think big when it comes to God. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to look in verse number 1 in just a few moments. So 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 1. Now I know that as I have, have grown up in the church... One thing that I've been so blessed with is I was, as a kid, I was able to, to read through Scripture, learn a lot of Scripture as a kid, and I know many of you were as well. But I remember some of the stories that I read about. I, the, the most popular story, what do you think the most popular story for kids is in the Old Testament? David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath, I mean, who doesn't like the underdog story? David and Goliath, incredible story. I've read about David and Goliath. And then I go on and I read about Moses. You remember Moses split the Red Sea wide open. And, and the Hebrew people crossed through it and they found deliverance. And so I read stories like that. And I remember reading it as a kid. And then, and then I read into the New Testament. And I find a, a Jesus in the New Testament who comes across people who were blind and people who were dead. And what does he do? He gives them sight. He raises them from the grave. And after a while, I'm reading these stories, I think, these are cool stories. But I want to experience them for myself. I don't just want to read about this stuff. I want to see God do big things. And not just simply hear about it. And as we go through this time in our church's life, and not just say, y'all, this is just the first step of many steps for our, for our church. I want us as a church to begin the process of thinking about God as being a big God, big God. To thinking about God as a God who can work through regular, ordinary people like you and me and do great and mighty things. And that's what we're going to see in our text today. We're going to see in our text that there was a lady whose husband had just died. And she was in debt. She had a couple of kids. She was in debt. And uh, she didn't have any way to pay it off. Now you can look at that and think, well, tell her to go get a job. You know, tell her to go out and get, get, get some work. And that sounds real good, but this was a few thousand years ago. And, and women, especially during this time, had a hard time supporting themselves. And especially when you became a widow, you see what you did is you relied upon your children to take care of you. And in her case, they were young. So they couldn't do anything. Or you, you got remarried. Well, she didn't get remarried. And so oftentimes what happened as you read the Old Testament is widows were taken advantage of. And so what she did is she called out to God and just simply said, God, I need to trust you for big things. Now, humanly speaking, she was shot, but she had good thinking. She thought big. And so I want us to look at her, and we're just going to see some steps that she used in her life that enabled her to think big. Now, I think as a church, it's time for us to think big as a church. And think of what God can do. So what are some steps that we can take, like this lady, to think big? Well, the first step that I see, first of all, is, is that we are to seek God's leadership. Now, if we're truly going to seek, seek God to do big things, see God do big things, then we have to seek Him first of all. In verse number 1, it's from our text, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elias replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Now, the lady at this point in our text, she really didn't have any recourse. She had no way to get out of debt. 
But she and her husband were followers of God. And because they were followers of God, she thought, I have another option here. I'm going to seek after God. And I'm going to trust God to do something. So she went to talk to Elisha, who was a prophet. He was, he was considered the leader of all the prophets. You know, she went to the number one guy to talk to God, to get him to intervene for her. As a matter of fact, in 2 Kings 2.15, it says the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Now, she went to Elisha for this very reason. Elisha was the leader of the prophets. And you have to admire the fact that even though her circumstances were bad, even though she's a lady who didn't have anything, she still had some hope. And she thought, I am going to go after God. And I'm going to seek big things from him. Now, Elisha the prophet called out to her and he said in the verses we just read, he said, hey, tell me, what do you have? What do you have to give to God? And in verse number two, she said, your servant has nothing at all there except a little oil. Now, oil is an indispensable commodity back in this day. It's a little bit different than today, but it was very important to have some. Uh, It was used as a beauty product. I mean, you know, you put it on your face, I guess, to make it, what, softer? Uh, take the wrinkles out, all that stuff. So it was a, it's a good product for that. So it was a cosmetic, used for cosmetics. Uh, oil is used for cooking. It was used for sacrifices, burning incense before God. It was a, a, a way to pray for healing over people. So it was a, it was a widely used uh, commodity. And yet this lady didn't have much of it. As a matter of fact, she basically said, I don't have anything. And then Elisha does something interesting. He tells her to take basically what she has and give it to God. You know, whenever we have nothing, you know, whenever we feel like we have nothing, and we might not feel like our lives are amounting to a whole lot, guys, let me tell you something. When you give it to God, God can take the little that you have and he can use it to do more than you ever dreamed of. More than you ever thought of. The key is simply making yourself available to God and seeking his leadership and following it. We're told in Matthew 6.33 by Jesus, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek him first. My guess is our tendency is whenever we are struggling, whenever we are expecting to get out of, you know, we're, we're sort of in a pit, we need to get out of it. A lot of times what we try to do is get out of it on our own. We try to dig our way out. Or we find people who've been in a pit before and we say, hey, I know that you experienced this. How did you get out of this? And we try to follow their advice. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things. But the first one we should turn to in the midst of turmoil and distress is God. And the reason why is because when we see God, first of all, it shows, that, it shows God that, that we are acknowledging Him. That, that we trust Him, that we believe He can deliver, that we believe that He can make something out of us. And it shows also that we trust that He has power to change our lives. There's a, a party, a, a group of tourists who were going to Israel. And as they were going there, their guide told them about some of the local customs. He said, whenever you get there, what you're going to notice is that, that there are shepherds there, there's sheep there. It's still true. I mean, we, we were just there this earlier this year. And I mean, you're driving down the road and you'll see some guys... Uh, shepherds 
Um, I've, I've told you all this before. It's funny. When we were there, there's a guy. He was leading the sheep, and he was riding on his camel, and he had a cell phone. It was bizarre. And so, uh, so then they still do this today. So they said, you know, the shepherd's always in front of the sheep. Well, when they got, when they got there, the, uh, they saw a bunch of sheep, and they saw a man behind the sheep driving the sheep. And the guy was, one of the tourists was confused, and so he said, I'm going to ask that guy about that. So he walked over to the man, and he said, listen, our guy told us that when we see sheep, that the shepherd always leads the sheep, and that the sheep follow him because they hear his voice. They know his voice. And the man said, well, that's true. And he said, well, why are you driving the sheep? He said, because I'm not a shepherd. He said, I'm the butcher. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, guys, I know sometimes in, in our lives... We think that we are, you know, we're independent, we're on our own, and we are leading, and we're, we're out front leading everything. We're going to do whatever we want. Now, if, you're, if that is you, let me tell you something, you are deceiving yourself. Because it's not necessarily that you're leading, it could be that the butcher's behind you. And he's leading you to a life of destruction. He's leading you to a life that is outside the will and the leadership of of God. You see, if Jesus isn't leading in your life, and he's not out front, and you don't hear his voice, then you need to reconsider who really has charge of your life. You see, if we're going to think big, then we have to seek the leadership of God. And that's what the lady in her text said. She sought the leadership of God. She sought him out. But thinking big also is another step for that, is that you are to be bold in what you do. Now, not only do you seek God's leadership... You seek to be bold in your actions. You seek God. Then you say, God, this is what you want me to do. I will be bold in doing what you call me to do. In verse number 3, it says, Elisha said, go around. He's talking to the widow. He said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. If we're going to expect big things in, in your life and as a church, guys, we need to start thinking big things. And we need to begin to ask for big things. The widow in our text, she was in need of big things. She was in big time debt. Her sons are getting ready to go into slavery. And so what did she do? Well, she began to ask God for big things. Now, Elisha helped her out here, and Elisha told her something interesting. He said, I want you to go collect jars from your neighbor. Go to your neighbors, ask them for extra jars. And he said something very important. He said, don't ask for a few. In other words, ask for a lot. Now, why was she to ask for a lot of jars? She used to ask for a lot of jars because the jars were used to hold oil. And so she had a big debt, and so she needed a bunch of jars filled with oil in order to be able to pay for her debt. Now, I think I kind of learned a lesson here for me, and that is that whatever need I might have, and whatever need that you have, and whatever need that this church has, we need to ask God to fill all of it. I'm afraid there's many of us who miss out on seeing the power and the movement of God in our lives because we never ask God for anything. I'm afraid sometimes as a church we miss out on seeing God do extraordinary things to the life of the church because we, we ask for God for a few things, but not for all things. Now, Village Church, I really believe this. I, I believe that we're going to start moving in the direction where we really are. We're going to start asking God for big things. We're going to ask God 
to do great and mighty things through the lives of our people, through the life of this church. Yeah, that's why we're trusting God. We say, God, we're going to trust that you're going to help us take care of this facility. God, we're going to trust that you're going to help us expand our ministry and our facilities. We're going to trust that you're going to move our ministry, not just here in Northeast Columbia, but Lord, that we're going to do a great work down in Haiti. In Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, let me ask you a question. If we don't ask for anything, what are we going to get? Nothing. If we don't knock, who's going to answer the door? Then nobody is. See, I think believe a lot of times we are missing out on big things because we're never asking. And so we settle for being ordinary. For just living lives that are not touched by God. Yeah, I, I, I do not desire for my life to be ordinary. I don't desire for your life to be ordinary. I don't desire for this church to be just ordinary. I desire for when people see us and they see our church, the ministry of the church, that they look and they say, that is a group of people who have been touched by the power of God. Let me share with you how we've seen God move here. When we first started, I remember Emily and I praying. Believe me, we were praying. God, send somebody our way to help us. Send people our way. You know what God did? He did that. I remember whenever we were meeting in schools, we love the schools. I don't have anything bad to say about the schools, but I remember thinking, Lord, I'm so tired of setting up every Sunday. Y'all, we used to bring, when we first started, we would wear two sets of clothes because we'd sweat through the first set. I was like, Lord, please, let us be able to have a, a place of our own, to have property that's our own. We prayed that prayer for years. You know what happened? God provided. I remember we got the land, we began to pray, God, enable us to have to have enough, to have the resources to put a place, a building, a physical structure here. What happened? God did it. And once again, we're calling out for God, saying, Lord, provide resources for us again so we can expand our ministry, so, God, so that we can take care of our community and the people that you've already brought into the church. And I honestly believe that God is once again going to provide. Now, you could look at that and say, have you not looked at the economy lately? Can God really do something like that through what we're going through as a nation? Yeah. Because our God is bigger than our country. He's bigger than all of us. We're told in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. The question is, are we going to be willing to trust God? Are we going to be willing to trust that God is going to establish a work right here on Rhymer Pond Road that is going to last for generations? Will you be obedient to what God calls you to do as we go through this time in our church life? There's a man that was out hiking and he came to the edge of the Grand Canyon and he slipped and fell. Not a good thing to do. And he went over the side, and as he's going over the side, he's just reaching out, grabbing for anything, and he ends up grabbing onto a bush, and he's hanging off the side of the Grand Canyon, looking down. The only thing he sees is like that Colorado River. He's, yeah, he's hanging on there, and as he's hanging on, he's screaming for help. Somebody help me, and nobody answers him. There's nobody there, and he knows he's in trouble, so he begins to call out, Is there anybody in heaven? 
is there a God? And there's a voice that comes booming down from heaven. Yes. And the guy gets excited. He's like, help me. He said, what do you need? He said, I need somebody to rescue me. Will you rescue me? And the voice comes down and says, yes. He said, but I have a question for you. Do you trust me? He said, yes. Do you believe in me? Yes. He said, then let go and everything will be fine. That man's hanging on that bush. He starts looking around. He goes, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> now, you know, a lot of times we, we do that with God. God, we want you to lead us. God, we want you to give us instruction. We want you to tell us what to do. And you know what God does? He tells us what to do. He tells us how to live. And then we sit there and we think about it for a while and we think, hey, is there anybody else up there? Because I want to live like I want, I want to live. I want to act the way that I want to act. I want to, I, want to, I want to take care of myself before anything else. But if we are going to believe God for big things, then we have to trust God for big things. Man, I like this text that we're looking at today because I see that the woman responded in obedience to the leadership of God. The widow was told, he said, go gather empty jars. Go to your neighbors. Don't ask for a few, ask for a lot. Can, can you imagine that? The jars are for oil. She doesn't have any. So she's walking around saying, I need some extra jars. And her neighbors had to be thinking, why? You know, you don't have any oil anyway. But she didn't allow that to hinder her. She said, I'm just going to be obedient to God. So she was obedient to the Lord. Oftentimes, bold requests require bold actions. Village Church, we, it's time to be bold. If we're going to see change, we're going to see lives change, we must be bold. So when I look at our text, I say, hey, man, how, can I, how can I think big? Seek God's leadership. How can I think big? Be bold in what I ask for. Let's ask God for big things. How can I think big? And this is the important one right here. Expect God to provide. We need to think big things, but then we need to expect that God will come through. If you look in verse number 5, this is the last three verses I'm going to read, then we'll be finished. It says, She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, there's something to notice in this text, and that is the woman was going to be obedient to the leadership that was given. He said, go, go get some jars. She goes and gets jars. And he says, pour the oil that you do have into these jars. She's thinking, I don't have much oil, but I'll start pouring them in the jars. And she begins to pour it in the jars. What happened to the jars? Miraculously, they begin to fill up with oil. You see, she was expecting, she began to pour that oil into those jars because she expected something to happen. She went and got the jars and she said, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen, Lord. I don't know how you're going to provide, but I expect something to happen. Do you expect anything from God? I mean, really, do you expect God to do extraordinary things? Because I believe many times we miss out on the power of God. We miss out on making an impact as a church because we really, when it comes down to it, we really don't expect anything from God. I think for many of us it's because you say, I can't feel God, I haven't touched Him, I've never seen Him with my eyes, He's just sort of like a thought. And so we have a hard time trusting Him. We have a hard time believing Him. But you know, that's part of the majesty and the mystery of God. Is that he's different than us. 
That he's greater than us. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now think about that for a second. Do you want God to be like you? Do you want God to be limited like you? Because, guys, I want my God to be bigger than me. I want my God to be infinite and powerful. I want my God to be able to make changes that I couldn't even believe on my own. You see, if you're believing in a God that's like you, let me tell you something, you are not worshiping God. Don't have low expectations of what God can do. The widow didn't. She trusted God. She said, I expect something to happen. And she took in so much oil that she was able to pay off her debt. Took in so much oil that she was able to live on what was left over. God blessed her in proportion to her faith. And God will bless us in proportion to our faith. If we are not trusting God in our finances, if we are not trusting God with our families, if we are not trusting God in our work, then why in the world would we expect Him to bless us in any of those areas? We please God when we show trust in Him. I'm going to conclude with this story. It's 1924. Dallas Theological Seminary was started. A few years later, the seminary was about to go bankrupt. It's about to go bankrupt. A group of men gathered together, board of trustees, because the creditor said on this Saturday at noon, we are calling in our debts, and they didn't have the money. And so they began to pray. And Dr. Harry Ironside, who's the pastor, prayed for big things. He prayed, said, Lord, he said, we believe, according to the Bible, that you own... Cattle on a thousand hills. He said, sell some of those cattle, God, and give us the money. As he was praying, in the office right outside that room, a rancher walked in. And he walked up to the secretary, and he said, you know what? He said, I just sold a bunch of cattle, and uh, a business deal of mine just fell through, and I just felt like God told me to come here and give you all some money. The lady walked into the prayer meeting. She said, gentlemen, God just sold some cows. Now, isn't that a cool story? Now, I read that story and I think there there was a group of men who trusted God for big things. And lo and behold, God did something big. And I believe part of the reason why is because they expected God to. Village Church, let us be a people. Let us be a church that expects God to do big things. To change lives to change this community, to change our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces. Let's expect Him to do it. But let us expect Him to start moving here. And next week, as we celebrate, we have Celebration Sunday. Y'all, you've got to come to the lunch. We're going to have, a, we're going to have enough to feed hundreds of people. So if y'all don't show up, it's not going to be good. We're going to have a lot of food and I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to get fat. I'm trying to watch my weight. But uh, y'all, come next week. But before that, we are going... To say, God, we're going to trust you for big things. And we're going to make pledges for one year, a one-year pledge. Saying, Lord, however it is that you want me to be a part of this campaign, Lord, I'm going to do it. Now, again, I'm not going to pressure any of you. Whatever it is that you do or don't do, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm trusting God for big things. And I look forward to seeing what God is going to continue to do. This is the first of many steps of God doing a work through this church in Northeast Columbia. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are, we are thankful and grateful.
for the blessings that you provided in this church. God, the people that you have brought here. Jesus, the lives that you have changed here. And I pray that more and more we will trust you because we see victory after victory of you accomplishing and doing big things through your people right here at Village Church. Lord, we give you this time and we continue our worship of you through the giving of our tithes and offerings to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.